So I'm just going to wrap up this sermon here just a second. I don't know if you saw that. Um, well, good morning. Um, what a week it's been. Oh, my goodness. It's been a great week. Um, I, have, I, I went to Anaheim to the Southern Baptist Convention. I don't know if you've been following any of that. Um, I'm not going to really address it today, uh, but I am... I think this week I'm going to record a video and email to all of our church members and just post it on, online just to process those things. But, but I, I don't want to take that time to, I want to get in the Word today. And, it's, it, and what a great week it's been. We, we had middle school camp this week. And uh, um, man, uh, I don't know if, uh, I missed the very beginning, but I think Joe may have said over 400 teenagers gave their life to Jesus this week. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's amazing. Now, uh, and, and I'm so, so excited about this Wednesday. Uh, we've already seen two of our uh, uh, kids or group baptized. And Wednesday night, we're doing a baptism uh, service right out here. And if you haven't been baptized, it's a great opportunity to come and be baptized. Even though it's going to be a bunch of teenagers being baptized, come. Come and be baptized this week if you haven't done that. And, and I'm super excited about what's happening Wednesday. We'll make sure we film it and all those things and show you next week. But, but man, I'll tell you, I'm so proud of our band. Uh, Joe and our band and these guys, let's give them a hand. Um, uh, but they led at False Creek. There were over 4,800 teenagers that were at False Creek this week, and our band was tasked with leading them in worship. And, and I'm so very proud of them, how they represented the Lord, uh, mo most importantly, but also our church. And, and, and Joe is beat. I mean, that, that, that bald-bearded dude is tired. And, uh, and so in all of our group, and well done for all of you. I'm so thankful to watch the Lord use them. But... Um, what, an, what an amazing week. You know, it's Father's Day, and I, I'm, uh, happy Father's Day, all you dads. And, uh, and Grandfather's Day, that's pretty cool, Padre Day. Uh, but, uh, man, it's, uh, uh, Father's Day is a, a, a great day. I'm, I'm thankful for my dad. You know, my dad's 87, he's watching online, and or almost 87. And, and um, you know, when I, th when I think about my dad, I'm so thankful. He taught me how to back a trailer. Uh, I'm thankful for that. He taught me how to uh, uh, change a tire. That was pretty important in my life. That's proved pretty valuable. Um, my dad was a coach. Uh, he was my tennis coach. He taught me how to serve. Um, and I'm grateful for him teaching me all those little details. He, you know, as a father, he taught me how to throw a punch. Um, taught me how to do that, and I'm glad. Um, he taught me that, hey, you can take a punch, you know, and, and I had to do that a couple of times. Um, uh, he taught me about winning, taught me about losing. Um, he taught me how to uh, look people in the eye when I'm talking to them. Um, I think about my dad. He taught me how to treat a, a lady. Um, I can remember one time thinking uh, Rob, Robin and I were dating and she was going to drive to my house, which is not terrible, but my dad was like, no, she ain't. She, you're going to get her. Man up and go get her. I was like, okay, I will. So I did. I went and got her. And, and you know, he taught me how to stand up for others. I'm thankful for a dad that did that. You know what else he taught me? He taught me that people needed Jesus. And, and my dad was a coach and a and a deacon in a church. And, and I really grew up knowing people need the Lord. I'm thankful I had a dad that taught me that. You know, he taught me about church. 
I, you know, growing up, I didn't know you could miss church. It wasn't an option in my house. It didn't matter if it was prom or whatever. If I was up all night, my dad was like, hey, good morning. Time to go to church. Well, dad, I just went to bed. Okay, let's go. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't asking a question. I was just making a statement, let's go. And, uh, and so we went to church. And, and, you know, my dad taught me that church is important. And being around God's people is important. And, and, and you know, we've been in this series through the book of First Peter on submission. And, and I'm thankful for a father that pushed me to understand the value of the church, the value of what we're, 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 what we're experiencing today of being around the Word of God and, and, and holding one another accountable and pushing each other to, to walk with the Lord. Now, this is a big claim, I realize, but, but I, I want you to recognize, I believe this is wholeheartedly true, that, that the message that we have been called to proclaim is the only hope that people have in the world, in their lives. The, the message of the church is, is the, the, the call that we have to share the gospel with the world. That's, your only, that's, that's, that's the only hope you have both in this life and the life to come. And let me tell you something, there's a life to come. And it's the message that we've been given. In our local church, when I think about what we define this as a community of baptized believers, that, that we have come together as men and women and who have been saved by God, and we followed the Lord in baptism, and, and, and we covenant together to, to meet in this place, that we're going to come together and gather around the Word of God and push one another to, to walk with the Lord. We come together on the Lord's Day to to, to, to Sit under the authority of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit and, and Christ who is at work in our lives. And, and, we, and we recognize that there are pastors that, that God has called like, like me and Chad and, and, there's, and Brad and Keith and Joe. There's leaders that God has put in our life, in your life. And, and, and we hold one another accountable to engage the world, to worship the Lord and, and to share the gospel. And that's what, that's what the church is. And, and we start where we live, right here in this community. And, and though it's cool to be a part of a, of a national group of Southern Baptists, which I'm grateful for, where the rubble, rubber meets the road, though, is right here in our church, through our community, to the world. And you know, I'm grateful for First Peter. It's so very relevant to our lives. And, and, and Peter wrote this letter, and we've looked at it, to believers that are scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And they're Christians that are, that are scattered through the world. And, and they were facing some really difficult times, some persecution, some, some challenges. And I think First Peter is very, very relevant to where we are as we look at a, a changing landscape of the world. And I'll tell you, we are called to take a stand for the Lord and to walk with the Lord. And, and when you look at the book of 1 Peter, you, you see these themes that are, that, are, that are coming out over and over again. And, and you see this push to have a growing love for God. That, that we as followers of Christ ought to love the Lord, like Jesus said, with our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. And, but you also see this growing love for one another. 
And this is a call we have to, to love one another and to be followers of Jesus together in this place and to hold one another accountable and to push one another. And Peter learned about this. He learned the value of leaning into the Lord and his conviction. He also learned the value of having brothers and sisters in his life that's going to walk with him through the ups and downs. Now stand with me. And we're in 1 Peter 3, 8 through 12. And as we turn our face to the Lord today, we're in the last part of submission. Now, we've defined submission as this. It's submission is when I yield my will to your will so we can walk together. That's submission. Now, we're coming at the end of, of submission, and Peter writes this. God's word says this. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love his brothers. Um, love his brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. To this you are called, so that you may inherit a blessing. Forever would love life and see good days, must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Maybe seated. Now, now I don't know if you've ever. I don't want you to uh, get on YouTube right now and and do this. If you're watching online, don't don't go off the message today. But 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 if you've ever uh, got on YouTube and 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 searched for worship fails, have you ever done that? Uh, worship fails, it would be worth the four minutes of your life to, to watch those bands that are busting out a, a worship set and they all go off key, okay? Thankfully, that's not happened very much with our worship band. I mean, uh, it has happened, Joe. I mean, KJ, I've, I've seen it happen. No, I mean, drummer, I don't know if you've ever gone off key, but have you? Okay, cool. Um, I don't even know what that looks like to have a drummer go off key. Uh, but Mike, I don't know if you've done that. Um, but um, but, but you know, um, the, these worship bells are hilarious because when, when, when something is out of tune, everybody goes, ooh, oh, oh, wait a minute. And, and that would be worth your time to, to Google that, but not right now. But, but, but you know, when I, when I think of this passage, look at the first verse. Paul says, or Peter says, finally. So he's summarizing these, this, this submission, this part of submission. We've looked at submission to God. We've looked at submission to our bosses. We looked at submission in marriage, what that looks like. And Peter's like, let's, let's lean into this submission, finally. Live in harmony with one another. Now, I, I married into the Christian version of the Von Trapp family. You know, I did. And if you know my family, uh, like, and I'm, I'm the odd duck in the group. Uh, my mother-in-law is kind of too. She's a member of our church. But um, she and I, we, we are similar. And, um, but but as, as my kids were growing up, I would be at the crib with Robin, and we'd be like, Robin, like, let's sing a song. And she'd be like, okay. And, so, and I would just start in off key. And Robin would go, we don't do this, Chris. This is not how we function in our house. And, and so, because when something is not in harmony, oh my goodness, it's, off, it's awful. Last night, 
my, my youngest daughter is at Quartz Mountain Arts Camp, and, and uh, we, we drove to Altus yesterday, and last night we were in, at this concert, and this arts camp, it was a choral concert, and it was the, it's honestly, it's the best singers in the state of Oklahoma for high school musicians. And man, this, they did a concert last night, and this clinician came in from Arkansas, and, and it was this gospel kind of focus. And, and then they, they sang this Latin ballad, and oh my goodness, as all those voices came together in all those different parts, there was a moment as that song ended, all those songs, but this, this one in particular that was my favorite, and I was Latin, I don't know the name of it, but, but it, when, when they hit that last note, it just echoed in that room, and the crowd was just silent, and just embracing the moment. And then it erupted in a standing ovation. And when you hear harmony that is so beautiful, it is captivating. Do you know that's, a, that's what I pray our church is? I pray our church is so in unison, in harmony as we walk with the Lord, that it is a captivating song where we live. Notice verse 8. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. That's something I want in our heart today as we, as we process this passage. And point number one is this, that, that when we are unified, do you know that the world recognizes Jesus? Let me tell you something. We live in a world that desperately needs to see Jesus. You know, you know, let's not fall into the trap that, that everybody around us knows the Lord. Just because there's a, there's a church on tons of corners in Owasso and Tulsa, that, that doesn't mean that everybody knows the Lord. Let me tell you something. We live in a city, we live among people that their greatest need is Jesus. Let's never forget this. And as we come together and as we live in harmony together, even in the face of a changing culture and a changing world, a world that's becoming more and more hostile to the gospel message, let me tell you something. As we live in harmony together, the world we live in will recognize Jesus. Now, what does this look like? Well, he tells us, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. And look at this. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Let's, let's process this in a minute. Well, what does it look like to live in harmony with one another? What, what, is that, what does that look like? You, you know that, it, 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 that that happens when everybody uses their gifts. Do you know that you have spiritual gifts? Are you using your gifts to serve the Lord? You, you know what's interesting is I... As, as I, I, this is so important that, that you need to recognize just like when you were born, you have natural abilities, you have natural tendencies, natural gifts. Not, not every one of us are alike. And, 
And we, we each have these natural gifts. Do you realize that when you were born again, if you know Jesus as your Savior, the second you were born, you were imparted spiritual gifts that God calls you to utilize and, and deploy and, and implement. And a spiritual gift is this God-given ability to serve God and other people in such a way that Christ is honored and people are helped. And, and every one of you, every one of us in this room, we have gifts that we're called to help people with. And some of you may be thinking, well, not me. I don't have any gifts. I'm not good at anything. And, but let me, let me point you to what God's Word says. It says the opposite. There are three passages of Scripture. You ought to write these down that point to some spiritual gifts. The first one is 1 Corinthians 12, 28 through 31. That's a passage that outlines spiritual gifts. Ephesians 4, 11 outlines some spiritual gifts. I want you to flip over real quick to Romans chapter 12. In your Bibles, just flip over. I want you to see these gifts. This is another passage, Romans 12, 4 through 7. Flip over there. It says in verse 4, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. Verse 5, So we who are many, Romans, Romans 12, verse 5, So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in the teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And what you see over and over again is that you can discover your spiritual gifts. And, and part of living in harmony with one another is all of us together utilizing our gifts to serve the Lord. So let me ask you a question. Are you using your gifts to serve the Lord? You realize my calling in your life, right? Our, the, the, the pastors at our church and the, the leaders at our church, our calling is not to do the work of ministry for you. Our calling is to equip you for the work of ministry. I mean, this week I was so amazed as I watched our, our middle school camp sponsors that were fired up about being around middle school kids. How many of you woke up this morning or every week, this, every day this week with regret? Like, I wish I was hanging at middle school camp this week. No, you don't have to confess that because you may get a job later uh, if you do. But, um, but, but look, there were a lot of people in our church that that's their calling. And I watched our church members come together and cook and, and serve and meet with kids. And, and we saw kids come to know Christ. And on Wednesday, we're going to see several baptized. So I want to challenge you. Don't miss the adventure of using your gifts because all of you have gifts that, that God has giving and part, given you and part of living in harmony together is all of us learning to use the gifts that God has given to us. And so let me ask you a couple questions. Four questions I want you to write down as you think about your gifts. And I want you to ask yourself, you may think, oh, how do I determine my gifts, Chris? What, what does that look like? Well, well what talents has God given you? I want to ask you to think about it. Write, write that down. What, what talents, what, what are some things that you're good at? It's like when we started the Ambassador Baseball ministry years ago, we, we, we looked at these guys and said, hey, you're just, and I, and I looked at them, I said, do you know who made you good at baseball? God did. God has equipped you. God has, uh, has, has gifted you with the gifts you have for a reason. And I want you to think about what talents do you have and how are you using those talents to impact the kingdom? Boy, that's, that's important. 
The second thing, here's a good question. What do you love to do? What is it that you just like to do? This is just your natural joy. You love to do this. I mean, I mean, I mean, lean into that. And, and maybe God gave you that love for a reason. Now you can get out of balance with that and you can you can get uh, uh, like too obsessed with something. But but let me tell you something. Maybe these loves and 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 gifts that you have, what if they're from God? And what if God is the one that's given you this love. And, and, and I remember as a, I'm thankful for a dad as a coach who helped me see that I, I loved hitting a tennis ball. I really did. And, and then I learned that, wow, wait a minute. On the tennis court, God has put me around people. And Brad and I played at OBU together and we saw John King Come to know Christ. And, and, and so I, I want to ask you to lean in. What do you love to do? Lean into that. The third question, what's your personality like? You might be going, I ain't going to middle school camp. That may not be your vibe. That may not be your personality. But well, how did God make you? Lean into that and, and start to discern, Lord, well, how do you want to use this personality? How do you want to use my gifts? Uh, here, here's a, a fourth question. What are your life experiences? Where, where has God taken you? And maybe your life experiences, whether it is, you know, I, I look at Harrison over here. He's been tr entrusted to, to, to come through this cancer battle. That's a life experience that God is going to use. And, and I look forward to seeing all the ways that God is going to use the prayers of people. And, and I want us to recognize that, look, your life experiences set up your spiritual gifts. And God's moving us to understand his word, especially in a hostile culture, in a world that, that is difficult. That's, that's the audience of 1 Peter. And Peter's look at the, looking at them going, look, let's live in harmony together. Notice this. Be sympathetic. Look at this, these kind of four things that Peter lays out. Live in harmony. What does that look like? Well, you're sympathetic. You're, you're compassionate. You're, you're, you love this. Well, excuse me. I've got to get it right. Be, be sympathetic. Don't, don't get hard-hearted towards people. Do you know what it concerns me about our Baptist, my, my experience this week? What, what I want us to be careful of is that we're not hard-hearted towards a lost world that we're called to reach and share the gospel with. And look, Peter writes, be sympathetic with each other. Let's not get hard-hearted towards others. He says, love is brothers. I have a brother. I got a big brother named Mike. And yeah, Mike used to do the whole quit hitting yourself. He'd grab my hand and make me hit myself. He's not hated that. And he'd pick on me some. I had some wedgies that were epic in my life, you know. But I remember in the third grade, I was walking home from school, and I had my soccer jacket on. I, I didn't play soccer. I was like a... I was like a uh, 
I wore husky jeans, and I, I wasn't soccer uh, in my life. And, but I had my soccer jacket. I had green sleeves and had a white top, and, 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 and I was buttoned down. And I'm walking home from school, and I the Tigers playing in my mind because that's what plays in my mind when I'm walking around. Um, and, uh, and so I'm walking home from school, and, and, and I, I trip over the railroad tracks, and I had my hands in my pocket, and, and I, I was young. I was a young athlete, Dustin, and, and I didn't pull my hands out, and I just go smack, hit my nose on the rail of the railroad track, busted my nose all over the place and bleeding all over my cool jacket, ruined it. Uh, by the time I got home, I, I, I had finished doing the major crying and I, I was kind of whimpering and my brother heard me and he goes, what are you crying for, you big baby? And I walked around the corner and he saw all that blood and he jumped up, he goes, who did it? And I almost said Billy down the street because I didn't like Billy and I almost did that. But uh, that would have been awful. That would have been a cool story, but bad for Billy. Um, but but then when he found out, I just fell down. He was like, what? Come on. And I, it was worse. But, um, but you know what? Love is brothers. You know, sometimes we're going to fight together, even in our church. But, but you know what? We'll forgive each other, right? And we defend each other, right? And when I look at the call that we have in the world that we're in, we got to do a better job of loving as brothers. Look, we're not going to always agree on everything, but let's love as brothers. And then he goes on, that's harmony. Then be compassionate. This is interesting. Compassion is that real empathy and burden. We ought to be compassionate with one another. Humble. Be compassionate and humble. Boy, boy that's, that's that I'm third mentality, that, that look, I need you, that, that, that concept of, look, I need, to, I, need what you're, I need your accountability, I need your voice, I need your help. And we live in such a society where we're like, I'll, I'll just take care of myself. No, we need each other. And this is what I, I pray we never forget, how much we need each other. And that's something I pray. Um, and when I look at living in harmony, you see this whole idea that concern for others is just obvious. And I pray we're a church as we, as we work together, as we live in harmony, as we write this beautiful song that is in sync, that, that there's concern for one another. And then, then you also see this, this, this insight that learning from one another is this choice we make, that, that I'm going to choose to learn from one another, and, and, and we're going to learn from each other and walk together. And that's what it looks like. That's what harmony looks like. But, but you know what? As we go, look, there's going to be some conflict, right? And that's why I think point two is so obvious that, that kindness in conflict, and we've got to keep this in mind, kindness in conflict points others to Jesus. And then look, this is a, a calling we have to point others to Jesus, that even when we have conflict, we still got to be kind to others. And, and, and Jesus talked about this in, the, in John 17, 20, and 21. He says uh, in that verse, that's really the Lord's Prayer in John 17, and he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, talking about us, he said that they may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us 
so that the world may believe that you sent me. You see, the Bible tells us as we live in harmony together, as we come together as a body, as we forgive one another, as we're kind to one another, that the world recognizes Jesus. And look at verse 9. It's, it, verse 9 is such an interesting passage. It says, do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult. Isn't that a tendency that we have? I mean, I mean, somebody uh, does something wrong to us, even in our body, even as a brother, we want to get them back. The Bible says, do not, he says, do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult. I mean, that's our natural tendency. Someone insults you, and, and I'm the same way. I mean, I get smart. Elk. I, I'm gifted with that. But the Bible tells us, no, don't repay evil for evil or insult with insult, but what? But with blessing. Next time someone insults you, next time someone does something evil against you, bless them. Bless them. See what happens. You might go, that's hard, Chris. You bet it's hard. I mean, yeah, yeah, this is what it looks like to live surrendered to Christ. And, and look, there's... Jesus modeled this for us. Look back at verse, chapter 2, 22 through 24. Jesus is the example. Look back at chapter 2. Jesus is the example. He says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on a tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. So you see, look, Jesus is this example of, of saying, look, we're not going to repay evil for evil or insult with insult, but, but, but with blessing. Now notice the next part of verse 9. Boy, as I've been memorizing this, I keep getting stuck on this part. To this you were called. Whoa. That's a head scratcher right there. That, that's this amazing revelation of the word of God. Do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. To this you were called. Man. And then he tells us why. So that, right? so that you may inherit a blessing. That when you choose not to go evil for evil or insult for insult, when you choose to say, I'm going to live like I'm called by God, you'll inherit a blessing. And you know what you see over and over again in Scripture, and you see it here, that, that blessing others is, is progressive. You know what I mean by that? That, that? that when you bless others, it just kind of builds more and more blessing in your life. And you know what? I pray that we get good at, at blessing others. We get good at, at not retaliating. We get, we get really um, slow in, in, in throwing out an evil for evil and an insult for insult. We go, look, yeah, yeah, I know it feels natural to do that, but we're going to... We're going to surrender to the Lord because we're called by God to act differently and to live differently. And, and when we do this, look what happens. We inherit a blessing. 
I want to challenge us. And I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not at you. We're under the lordship of the Holy Spirit and Christ here, and, and God is shaping us by his word. But let's, let's be a church that lives out this progressive blessing. And then it goes on. Look at this. And you see this, that, that the truthful words, you know what that produces in you? Truth produces good days for you. Forever would love life. Look at verse 10. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. And, and you know, I'm not saying that just because um, you're having a tough time right now. Maybe you're having a tough time. Maybe your days are tough right now. I'm not saying that that's just because uh, sometimes tough days just are less life, Right? But can I tell you, there's the wisdom here in this verse. Sometimes we bring on difficult days because of our mouth. That's what I think we got to lean into. Whoever would love life and see good days. If you want to see good days in your life, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. And you see over and over again, and I've, I've really felt this this week, that kindness in conflict is always profitable because it's God's will for us. You realize that, that even when we face disagreement in our church, we, we will we'll never be uniform in all of our decisions. But, but we must be united as a body. And, 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 and when we disagree, we've got to be kind to one another. And this is God's will. It goes on. He says, verse 11, look at this. He must, not he should, not he, it'd be a good idea. This is a, he must. Notice that. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. And so we've got to be, as, as we interact together, as we serve the Lord in this place, as we live in harmony together, we, we turn from evil, we do good, we seek peace, and we pursue peace. And notice this. Oh, my goodness, this is big. Verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. I mean, God sees what we do. And, and I'll tell you, I've, I, I, I've always felt it beneficial to to remember to practice the presence of God, right? It's always valuable to, for us to practice the presence of God. To, I mean, because do you really think that God doesn't see you or see your life? Of course he does. And right here is one of those points of Scripture that reveals that God sees you, that you can't hide from him. It says, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And, and righteous, you know, what, is, what does that mean? Well, well, righteous was not something I could earn on my own. Righteousness was given to me. God saved me uh, just out, out of his grace. But, but then after he saved me, uh, uh, you've got to understand, and I pray you get this, that, that you can never work for your salvation. But once you come to know Christ, we absolutely work from that salvation. And the way we live matters, and what you do matters. And right here, it points to the fact that the Lord... The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. That the eyes of the Lord, that, that God sees those that he calls, those that he saves, he sees us, and it matters how we live. 
And I get frustrated sometimes when I think of, uh, I hear people go, oh, man, you just, you just are, are talking about sin all the time. And, uh, uh, look, we, we should feel conviction of sin. We should move to right, live right. We should honor the Lord. We should learn to be disciplined in our lives. We should understand the Word of God and submit to it, to, to the Holy Spirit and the authoritative Word of God. Without apology, we should do that. Why? Because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And notice this, his ears are attentive to their prayers. Oh my goodness, do you get that? That the master of this whole place, the king of all kings, his ears are attentive to our prayers. That means he hears what we ask for. And he interacts with us. And, but notice the end of verse 12. This really clear almost like gut-level shaking warning. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And boy, I tell you what, that makes me stop in my tracks. You know who we serve, don't you? Do you know who called us? You know who he is, don't you? He's the king of all kings. I mean, he is the Lord of all lords. I, I, I reread this week, uh, or last week, the, uh, the Magician's Nephew. Uh, it, it's Chron the Chronicles of Narnia. I don't know if you've ever read that book by C.S. Lewis. If you ever, you ought to read that to your kids. We've read that to our kids. I read it again as an adult, as a grandfather. Um, did I tell you that? I was a grandfather. But... Um, um, but, oh my goodness, in the, in the magician's nephew, there's a moment in that book that C.S. Lewis writes about the creation of Narnia. And man, I get chills every time I, I, I read that as, as C.S. Lewis talks about the, the, the forming of the world. And you realize who we serve, right? He's the, he's the one that has the power that just speaks. Let there be light. And out of his mouth, light comes into existence. Time begins. And, and this king of all kings who is outside of time, who is eternal, that causes our minds to go, you know, how do we grasp the eternal master of this whole place? It's him whose eyes are on us and his ears are attentive to their prayer. When I think about that, I think about my problems and my insult, the people that have insulted me, and I'm like, hey, it's okay. When I think about my struggles in life, what problem is too tough for him? None. But then when I think about the face of the Lord is against us, he's, that's one face I don't want against us. Now you might say, oh, are you dipping into that hellfire and brimstone? Hey, let me tell you, there is a hell. But, but you know what the, even though that is a scary warning, and if you 
are living your life with your hands stiff-armed against God, and you're rebelling against the master of this whole place, I'll be honest with you, you ought to be scared. And the thought of facing eternity without God ought to scare you. But you know what? God loves you. And that's why he told you and told me those beautiful words in John 14, 6 that he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And this week was so absolutely incredible because we saw over at Falls Creek over 400 teenagers say, Lord, I see you and I'll, I'll come to you. Have you done that? Have you come to Jesus? You know, we, we end every week with a mission challenge, and I want to um, challenge you with this. And the question is this. Are you using your gifts to serve the Lord? That may be a challenge. I want you to think about. How are you using your gifts? If you're a believer in Christ, are you using your gifts to serve the Lord? Man, don't miss this adventure. Don't miss this joy of, of walking with the Lord and living in harmony together. Man, that's our calling. That's my prayer. You know, we're going to have an invitation. And, and maybe, maybe this invitation, um, you need to get on your, uh, maybe you don't need to come and get on your knees right now. Maybe this invitation, you know what you need to do is leave the room and get your phone and go call somebody and say, hey, look, you know what? I have been insulting to you. And God has convicted me about being like insult for insult. And I'm sorry. You know what the Bible says? James says that if you're offering your gift at the altar and find you have something against a brother, you're to leave your gift and go get right with your brother. Isn't that interesting? That before you even like worship and get on your knees, you're to get right with each other. Maybe you need to walk across the room and go, hey, man, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Maybe that's something you need to do. But here's what I know is that God moves us to respond. Every time I open the Word of God, I think about how do I respond to this? Because God's Word never leaves me the same and he shouldn't, he doesn't, he shapes us, he molds us. So how are you to respond today? Do you need Jesus? Dads, do you know that there's not a greater gift that you can give your children, or your grandchildren, your, your, your wife, not your husband, listen, I'm doing that, sorry. Your wife, the legacy of your life is to be a man that walks with Jesus, that doesn't repay evil for evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. And Dad, I want to challenge you. Pour that kind of blessing into the lives of your kids, into your wife. 
into your friends. Oh, let's, let's listen to the Lord today. Would you stand where you are? Father, we love you. And we're moved by your word today. Father, I'm moved as a father with this passage today. I'm convicted by your, your spirit today, and I'm thankful. Lord, I pray you'd move us even now. I pray for our church that we would live in such harmony together that in Owasso and Tulsa, this beautiful song unmistakably points those around us to you. Father, we love you. We need you. In Jesus' name, move us. Amen.